All right. Well, we now find ourselves in John chapter 4. So go ahead and open your Bibles there to John chapter 4. Last time we completed our study through chapter 3, where we saw how John the Baptist and the disciples of Jesus were both baptizing at the same time, but in different places. And some of the religious leaders came and tried to cause some controversy with the disciples of John by arguing with them about purification. And this got John's disciples all fired up, and they went to John and began to whine and complain about what Jesus and his disciples were doing. They were baptizing, and people were beginning to become followers of Jesus. But we saw how John didn't fall into this trap, but instead he took time to explain to his followers that it's not about him anymore, but rather it's now all about Jesus. And John said those famous seven words from verse 30 of chapter 3. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And we talked about the fact that those seven words need to be in the center of our hearts. As followers of Jesus, our lives should be built around the fact that this life has nothing to do with our will being done, but rather God's will being done in our lives. And if you weren't uh, listening last time, um, I suggest that you go back and uh, take a listen to that. If you can, uh, follow along with us in order. But today we're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4, and we're going to see that Jesus heard about the disputing that was going on, and he decides to just move on down the road. So verses uh, 1 through 3 of John chapter 4, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now, remember, a few weeks back we talked about the fact that Jesus is on a divine time schedule. Every step of his journey is getting him closer and closer to the cross, where he will fulfill his purpose of coming to the earth by laying down his life for the redemption of mankind. And since chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, we've been following Jesus on this journey. And now we see him heading back to Galilee, the spot where he first manifested his glory at the wedding in Cana. But before he gets to Galilee, verse 4 tells us that he needed to go through Samaria. So, just to give you a visual here, in Israel, you have Galilee in the north, Judea in the south, and right in the middle is Samaria. And if you wanted to walk from Judea, where Jesus was, to Galilee, the best route to take would be to go directly through Samaria. But the problem during this time was that the tensions were very high between the Jews and the Samaritans. And the Jews despised the Samaritans so much that they would not take the route through Samaria. Instead, they would take a longer route on the other side of the Jordan River through an area called Perea. They didn't want anything to do with these Samaritan people, so they avoided them at all costs. And the reason for this was that back in 722 BC, there was an invasion of Israel by the Assyrians, and they took a very large amount of the Jews into captivity. Then many of the Assyrians came into Israel and began to intermarry with the Jewish women, and as a result of this came the Samaritan race of people. This race of people was looked upon by the Jews as 
half-breeds, and, and the hatred between the two groups escalated from there. But Jesus wasn't going to have anything to do with this whole prejudice thing. He doesn't care what race anyone is. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. To the right of where we are now. Right after 2 Corinthians. And let's um, look at verse 26. Galatians 3.26 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see that? We glance over that verse sometimes. Let's read it again, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So race, social status, and gender have nothing to do with salvation and your standing in Christ. The only thing that matters is whether or not you have received Christ and have been born again, as we studied in chapter 3 of John. But as we've studied in the past, Jesus was God in the flesh, and the flesh that he decided to put on was Jewish. God came to the earth through the Jewish race. But he is Savior to anyone who will turn from this world and place their faith in him. And during his earthly ministry, he was going to impact many lives. And as we study through this chapter, we're going to see his impact on the life of a Samaritan woman, the lives of his disciples, and then toward the end of this chapter, we'll see his impact on the life of a nobleman from the town of Capernaum. But looking back now at John chapter 4, we continue on in verse 5, where it says, so he came to, the, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So he has now made it to the region of Samaria. And he gets to Jacob's well, and it says there that he was weary. He's tired. It was a long walk, and even though he's God, he still took on the limitations of the flesh. Jesus didn't walk around with a halo over his head like you see in some pictures. He was fully God, but yet fully man. And do you know what the great thing about that is? That no matter what your circumstances in life, Jesus understands. He was a human being here on this earth. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is toward the back of your Bible, just after the book of Philemon and just before the book of James. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 15, starting in verse 15. 
So Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we have a living God, a risen Savior. He understands everything you have gone through and anything you will ever go through. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Confucius was confused, and he's dead too. Jesus is alive. And Colossians 3.1 says that he is sitting at the right hand of God. And that you and I are to set our minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus cares for us, and he desires to walk with us on this temporary journey that we have through this earth. And flipping back to John chapter 4, we see Jesus, and he's sitting at the well, and he's about to initiate an encounter. And verses 7 and 8 say, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus Jesus is um, sitting there alone. And this Samaritan woman comes along and he asks her to get him a drink. Now, during this time, a Jewish rabbi would never speak to a woman in public, not even his wife. But here again, these religious man-made customs mean nothing to the work that Jesus is going to accomplish in the heart of this woman. Jesus didn't follow man's religious rules. And this woman at the well is completely surprised that he speaks to her. And verse 9 goes on to say, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she's taken aback by this. For one, she's a Samaritan and he's a Jew. In addition to that, she's a woman. But this is no ordinary Jewish man. And little does she know, but she's about to have a life-changing encounter. The God of all creation is in the flesh and he's right there. He's talking to her. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You know, it's so awesome to me when you study the Bible and you learn about who Jesus is and how he cares about our individual circumstances. In John chapter 9, Jesus speaks to a blind man and he tells him that he is the light of the world. When Mary and Martha were grieving over the death of their brother Lazarus in John chapter 11, Jesus tells them that he's the resurrection and the life. And in Matthew chapter 4, he approaches some fishermen and he gives them an invitation to become fishers of men. And here, to the woman at the well, he tells her about living water. You see, he desires to be intimate with each one of us. And each one of us is in need of his 
personal touch. And he understands the circumstances of your life. And he'll speak to you in a way that you understand. The woman at the well, it was speaking to him about living well, or excuse me, living water. Like I said, the fishermen, he spoke to them about becoming fishers of men. So we all, though, need that living water. The spiritual water that quenches our spiritual thirst and gives us that abundant life that a relationship with Jesus offers. Turn up a few chapters in your Bible, if you will, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking here, and starting in verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You see, Jesus is the only way. The only door that we can pass through and into an abundant life is by coming to Jesus. It's the only way we get there. And if one is not a follower of Jesus, then they don't know this abundant life. Remember we studied that Jesus said that we are his disciples if we abide in his word. And if we're not spending time in his word, then we're not going to know him. And we've talked about the fact that being religious doesn't give us an abundant life. The abundant life comes as a result of laying down our lives at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, come live in me and take over my life completely. It's that place I always use these words, absolute surrender. And looking back now in John chapter 4, this Samaritan woman is not yet understanding that Jesus is speaking to her in regards to where she is spiritually. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? So it's interesting to see here that this woman has a knowledge of the scripture. Little did she know, Jesus is greater than the one who gave him that well, Jacob. But at least she knows the story of Jacob and the well. And you know, it makes me think of the fact that many people today know the stories of the Bible. Like they know of Noah's Ark, Samson and Delilah, David and Goliath. But they have never come to experience the living water of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes on speaking to this woman. In verses 13 and 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, many people search for satisfaction in material things. But the material things of this world only leave us thirsty for more. We strive to, to get things in this life, 
And then when we get them, we want more things. But neither money nor anything else in this world will quench the spiritual thirst that is in each and every human being. Within each and every one of us, there is a desire to know our Creator. And Jesus is the answer to that thirst within us. When this physical life of ours comes to an end, there will be only one thing that matters, and that is knowing Jesus. John 14, 6 says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And we have to come to that place where we stop living for the things of this world and we take up the cross and we die to ourselves and we come to know the living water that is Jesus Christ. And this Samaritan woman is making progress, but she still has a ways to go. And verse 15 tells us that the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Uh-oh. Houston, we have a problem. At this point, everything changes for this woman. She is now going to figure out that she's not talking to an ordinary Jewish man. Jesus is seeing right through her heart. He sees her heart and he knows everything about her life. She was hoping that he was going to tell her about some secret water supply that will make her physical life easier. But Jesus is going to bring her to a place of spiritual conviction. And when someone comes to Christ, they must first be convicted in their hearts that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And if this woman had been looking Jesus in the eyes while he's speaking to her, I believe that at this point, her eyes turned toward the ground. It's just my speculation. But verse 17 says, The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Wow. So like a skilled physician, Jesus takes out a scalpel and he cuts right into this woman's heart. But Jesus is not out to destroy this woman. John 1.14 says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's cutting into her heart and revealing the truth, but he's doing it um, with grace and love. And you know, the truth does hurt sometimes. She thought she knew a lot already. And as we read on, we'll see that she was no dummy concerning religious things. But Jesus pointed out her sin to her. And just like all of us, she needed to be convicted in her heart of her sin. Being born again is not a religious thing. It's not about what we know in our heads. We must be changed from the inside out. When Jesus was on this earth, the religious leaders were his greatest enemies. They would have loved him if he had become part of their religion. But the reason Jesus came was to redeem mankind from the curse and the destruction of sin. It is clear in Scripture that he wanted nothing to do with man-made religion. And when he came to this earth, he came in love. 
John 3.17 says that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus is simply pointing out to this woman that whether she knows it or not, she is extremely thirsty. She's all dried up inside because she lacks the living water of the Holy Spirit within her. You see, five different marriages did did not satisfy her, and living with the guy that she's now living with wasn't going to satisfy her either. And she's inching closer and closer to that place of knowing this man, Jesus. But she still has some questions. Verse 19 says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and and, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So, now that Jesus has seen right through her, she wants an answer to an age-old question. And that's okay. It's all right to bring our questions to Jesus. He's big enough to handle it. And Jesus is speaking to this woman He's speaking to her heart, and she's realizing that he is something special. But she's been brought up knowing about religion, and this question that she asked Jesus was a result of the religion she grew up in. And just like Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night with questions, she needed to come to realize that religion doesn't hold the answers. But Jesus, in total love and kindness, took time to answer her question. And maybe there are unanswered questions on your mind. Maybe you've questioned God as to why certain things have happened in your life. And you know, Jesus didn't say to her, sorry, lady, I'm busy with the hungry children right now. Don't you know there's an oil leak out there in the Gulf that I've got people are praying to me about? All these different things. I got I got this guy on this soccer team praying me that his team will win. I got this guy on that soccer team praying that his team will win. I don't have time for all your questions, woman. No, that wasn't Jesus. And that's not the way he is for us. He cares deeply for us. And I'm sure this woman is very, very humbled at this point. And her heart is now in the right place. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the proud are those that think they have it all together. Nicodemus was a good religious person, but he needed to humble himself and understand that his religion didn't matter and he needed to be born again. Jesus told a rich man in Matthew chapter 19 to sell all that he had and give it to the poor. The man couldn't do it. There was nothing wrong with him having money, but Jesus knew the heart of the man and knew that he didn't just possess money, but the money possessed him. And we must come to realize that God knows everything about us. Our deepest pains, he understands. Our questions are not ridiculous to him. He wants our hearts committed to him because he loves us and he desires that we would know abundant life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 say, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And here we see Jesus caring for this Samaritan woman and answering her question. 
She's been brought to the point of humility, and she's finding that her answers are in Jesus. And in verses 21 through 25, it says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. You see, there was an age-old dispute between the Jews and the Samaritans regarding where one should worship. But Jesus tells her that it's not a matter of where you worship. What matters is that you worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not an outward thing. The fact that you go to church has nothing to do with truly knowing God. If I were to go and stand in my garage, that doesn't make me a car. If I go and sit in a donut shop, that doesn't make me a police officer. That's just a joke for you police officers out there. I'm sorry, but whether you worship and fellowship in a grand cathedral or you worship and fellowship in a 2,000 square foot home, it really doesn't matter because it's not about where we worship. It's simply about who we worship. And this Samaritan woman was like many people today. She knew about religion but the things she knew intellectually were not going to be good enough to get her into the kingdom of God. Because Jesus wasn't looking at her head knowledge. He was looking at her heart knowledge. And in verse 25, we see, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Wow. So, She even knew that the Messiah was going to come. And so many people today know of the fact that Jesus is coming again, but they're not willing to surrender their lives to the risen Lord. We must understand that the only way we will be saved is by coming to Jesus. This Samaritan woman had an unquenchable thirst. She knew about religion, and she knew that the Messiah was coming, but she was still dying of thirst. Remember we talked about the seven words that define the relationship that John the Baptist had with Jesus? He must increase, but I must decrease. Remember that? And this Samaritan woman was about to hear seven words that would forever change her life. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She has now met the promised Messiah. She had a personal encounter with the God of all creation. And each person on the face of this earth needs this divine encounter as well. We can't let religion or pride keep us from what the Savior is saying to our hearts. He is the only one that truly knows us. We've talked about this before, but we can look at the outward appearance of each other and share our thoughts and maybe know a little bit about each other, but only Jesus knows our hearts. And he is the only one that can satisfy our spiritual thirst. God bless, guys.
Thanks for listening. We'll pick it up next time.